episode 17-ish of Building Optimal Radio. I'm Jared Gossett, and I have a pleasant surprise for you guys today. We're going to be exploring the world of security cameras and the reason why they could benefit your business. This is something I've been fascinated by for a long time because not only do they have the potential to help you deter theft and issues like that, but they also can help you more efficiently manage your projects. So today we have our in-house expert, so to speak, a gentleman by the name of Nate Cardi. And I say in-house simply because Nate is actually a local home builder here in Austin, my hometown. And Nate is a CFA charter holder. For those of you who don't know what CFA stands for, it stands for Chartered Financial Analyst. He's also a realtor. And most appropriately for today's discussion, Nate is co-owner of Cardi Custom Builders alongside his brother, Chris Cardi. They focus on quality custom homes here in Austin. They do a lot of spec homes. They're obviously an innovative builder, which is why Nate's on the show today talking about these security cameras. He has figured out a pretty cool system over the last few years. Now, for those of you who haven't really explored this angle at all, I have a little bit and I basically threw my hands up in exasperation because I talked to a few audiovisual companies in town and it just always seemed a lot more complicated and costly than it needed to be. So I have explored it and then subsequently abandoned this option in the past. And now after talking to Nate about his system, I'm 100% sold on giving it a try. Hopefully, if this is something that will benefit your businesses, you guys can as well. So take a listen. I think it's a good episode and hopefully you guys learn a lot. All right, so let's talk about the why. Why should we be investing in security cameras? What are the benefits that your company has realized in implementing them? Well, the obvious benefit is site security. I mean, that's they are security cameras. So we can get that out of the way first. The first thing I'll say is they're not going to prevent somebody who really wants to steal from you. You know, someone's trying to get in to get your appliances or whatever, serious crimes. They're going to be in, they're going to be out quick and it's probably not going to stop them by itself. Uh, where it does help is one, if you have some petty theft or like somebody dumping a couch in your dumpster, which we've had, it can be useful because you might recognize them from the neighborhood or actually get a license plate number uh, that you can report for a serious crime. Usually, the license plate's one of those fake paper ones, so it's not going to do any good. So it maxes a deterrent for local people that might just be doing you know small things to there. And basically, when you add that in with security fencing, keeping your doors and windows locked once they're installed, you know, just tightening things up there, it's going to make them look for an easier target. There's almost always a site down the street from ours that doesn't have security fencing, that doesn't have security cameras, that has material laying out everywhere, and they're going to go rob that person first. Do you guys make sure your cameras are visible, or do you put signage up? We put signage up, and then I make sure at least one of them is visible, and I try to make sure one is not. If you really looked for them, then you, you'd see them all, but they're not super hidden, but I like one to, to be in people's faces. But once we get past security, which is great, what we really set these things up for was to make ourselves a little bit more efficient on a couple of fronts. Uh, the first one is every builder has experienced the same thing. You schedule a sub to show up at some specific time. They're not there. You call them. They're 10 minutes away. 
an hour later, they're still 10 minutes away. They just had to make a quick stop. Three hours later, they finally show up. I mean, you've wasted half your day at that point. You know, in a normal labor market, you can probably mitigate that some by you know putting fines in your subcontractor contracts or just outright firing them. But the labor market in Austin's super tight. Right. You just got to kind of deal with it. I can uh, vouch for that, yeah. Yeah, you try that and your sub's probably going to walk. And if they don't, you might want to question how good they actually are. Right. Uh, <laughs> So we, we use that so we can see they're there. We typically build near where we live anyway, so they show up. It's going to take them 15, 20 minutes to get going anyways. That gives us enough time to get over there. In the meantime, we can sit at our home office and work on our computer and you know, do other work. Unfortunately, that doesn't work real well with things like city inspectors because they'll just leave if you're not there. Yeah. But for subcontractors, it's a big help. One other thing that we really like about them is that if there's ever a discrepancy about what's going on there, we've got somewhat of a video record. And, you know, it's obviously not for detailed things, but just as an example, last year we had a guy that had been very good for us for a number of years. And it turned out he was showing up, talking with us, starting work. And as soon as we left the site, he was back in his truck and gone. Uh, and he was doing this day after day, and the job was dragging on. And we called him out on it, and he lied and said, No, I was there, and you, know, you just need to back off. And so we pulled up the cameras and said, No, you left. Uh, here's your truck leaving. And before he could even make up a story about why he left in that particular day, I said, well, do you want to look at the other days too? And it just stopped the conversation right there. We found out he just had too much work going on, plus some personal issues. And we were able to get to a realistic schedule for completing the work and moving forward. He's been a good sub since, and we were able to keep that relationship instead of just you know having it turn into a, a, a whirlpool and getting sucked down. One other thing we do is that we've experimented with allowing clients to have access to the cams. Now, I'm sure everyone listening just decided I'm completely nuts, and they're probably not completely wrong. (laughs) But we tried it out because the good news of it is that if you allow the clients to see what's going on without having to visit the site, they're not showing up on the site constantly and wasting an hour or two of your time just discussing what's going on that can really drag on a project and this can mitigate it some. The downside though is that, you know, there are dead days in construction. No matter how well you schedule something, material delays, rain, whatever, you're going to have dead days where nothing goes on, maybe a week, maybe more. And when that starts happening and the client's checking those cams, you're going to start getting those text messages, hey, nothing's going on over there. That can be really frustrating and annoying. But if it's someone that's going to be doing that, they're probably going to be showing up and giving you the same message. So maybe it's not that bad. Obviously, we try to mitigate that up front when we talk with clients, but it doesn't always work. And then I'm not sure we're going to do that again, but it's a tool we have if we decide it's useful. And the final benefit from the system comes not from the cams themselves, but the connection to the internet. Um, these are all Wi-Fi IP cams, so you have to access them via an app on your phone or a web page. And to get to them, uh, and we'll get to what's actual the setup is next, you need some type of Wi-Fi router or internet connection. Now, you could have Time Warner or whoever come out and stick a router up on your T-pole you know, at 80 bucks a month or whatever, but that would be kind of expensive and a little bit overkill. So what we do is we use hotspots that we get from T-Mobile, and they cost about 10 bucks a month in service, and they usually are free. They constantly are running a sale on them, but otherwise they're about 80 bucks. And the hotspot doesn't care what kind of data is going over it. So within the plan limits, we can also use them for when we're on site to hook up our laptops and tablets. So if I'm stuck sitting there for someone like a city inspector or just because I need to be there for framing and making sure that you know, things are actually getting done plumb, you know, I can pop up my laptop, log into it. I'm on co-construct or remoting into QuickBooks or pretty much anything I can do from my office, I can do sitting there. It's not quite as seamless, but it's pretty good and we're, you're recapturing a lot of that 
lost time. And that's made a huge impact on our productivity. Yeah, that's a great ancillary benefit I didn't think about. Well, I want to talk about the specifics, but you just brought up a few questions that I want to get answered here. So, so first is about how many cameras do you have per job and where do you, where have you found is most beneficial to have them facing and placed? We typically only have two cameras on site. We're an infill builder. So most of our lots are interior lots in the city. They only have 50 to 60 foot area facing the street. We will have one facing the street, particularly including wherever the gate is into the area. We use that primarily to just see, all right, is the subcontractor there or not? Because we can look and see if their car or their truck is there. And then we'll have one pointing towards the house so we can see if anybody's going into it. Um, usually we point it towards the front of the house in that case. We have one job right now that we have a corner lot. So I actually have four cameras on it to capture the alley, the side street, the front street, and then the house itself. Okay. And, and these cameras are producing live feeds. So it's not just like a series of photos that it's taking, correct? Yeah, they take MP4 video. Uh, I usually do the 720p cameras because I don't see much benefit in going all the way up to 1080p. Um, and it's a continuous 24-7 stream. You have recordings backed up for a certain number of days or weeks or whatever, right? Correct. The specific cameras that I go for, I wanted to have um, local recording within the camera itself. So they take a SD card. I usually make sure I get at least 32 gigabytes, which will give you at least three or four days. You can go up to 128 gig on some of them. And so it records locally, and then you can use the app uh, remotely or on site to go back in time and, and look at it that way. But that way, it's not burning a ton of data, loading everything up to a cloud or something like that. Let's talk about then the setup. So for those of us like me who've been wanting to Im implement this for a long time but haven't, I don't mm -hmm. even know where to get started. So can you tell us about your preferred setup? I had four requirements when I first started specking this thing out. The first is it had to be affordable. I looked at a lot of off-the-shelf program or uh, setups that were like three, four, five thousand dollars and didn't want that. So I wanted to keep it to less than a few hundred bucks per site. As I said, I wanted them to record locally. Uh, that way, even if the internet goes out, you know, I'm not losing any data there. It's still being recorded. I wanted it to be flexible so I could add and remove cameras as I needed. And finally, I needed it to be fairly simple. You know, I worked in IT support for a time, and that was horrible. I never want to do that again, and I don't want to be doing that for uh, my business partner. Uh, <laughs> so to that end, the system is not overly robust or complex. But what it is is basically I purchase Wi-Fi IP cams that have internal SD card storage of at least 32 gigabytes. Like I said, I limit it to 720p because I don't see real value in going up to 1080p for something like this. The brand that I really like is called Vimtag, V-I-M-T-A-G. You can get them off Amazon for about 70 bucks per unit. And the actual model that I use has been discontinued, but the new version of it is the Focus B3-C. And I'll send you a link to that later, Jared. Okay. But basically, that's where it starts. You buy the unit. It basically has three little dongles coming off. One's for Ethernet, one's for the power, and one's a reset button. It'll have its power adapter with it. You need to supply your own SD card. Again, I usually get those off Amazon or something like that. I don't recommend getting the generic ones. You can see some really cheap ones, and it's some brand you've never seen. I stick with Samsung usually. They're kind of the top end mainly because there's so many fakes on Amazon that you know if you try to go for the real cheap ones, the chances of you getting something that's barely has 32 meg of storage, much less 32 gig is pretty high. And 
you know, they run on a lot of specials on them, so they're not particularly expensive. I go for the medium speed on them. They go from class one to class 10, with class 10 being the fastest. You don't need class 10, so don't pay the premium for it. I get anywhere from class two to class five, and that's fine. The next piece of the puzzle is, you know, you got to have uh, the internet connection. So I use the Wi-Fi hotspots. All the major carriers have them. We said we use T-Mobile, and I don't know the model number. Uh, they kind of change it with, with whatever's most recent. But it's basically just a little thing that looks about the size of a credit card and about a quarter of an inch thick and runs over their 4G network. The plan that we have allows us to put them on usually at 10 bucks a month. They say 20 but they always give you 10 bucks off. Gives you two gig of data and uh, at 4G speeds and then unlimited at lower speeds. I have found that for two cameras, as long as you're not heavily using them, uh, you know, just sitting there with it up on your computer for five and six hours a day, two gigs enough for the two of those cameras for a month. The site that I have four on, I actually upgraded to their plan where you get 15 gig because it was I was running past that two gig limit after about two and a half weeks. And with the lower speeds, the it's basically you're looking at like still frames if you can even get it to come up. But I'll drop that back down to the lower plan once we're done with that uh, with that project. So you get that. And then after that, the only things you really need to do is you got to figure out how to get electricity to them. I typically now, my process is when we start a site and we put the T-pole up, I have the electrician put a electro socket about 10 feet up on the pole. And that's where I mount one of those plastic outdoor electrical boxes. And the hotspot lives inside of that. That way it's protected from the elements. And I just And then I run the little USB cable from it to the charger adapter that goes into either directly into that electrical socket or I'll also take a surge protector and put it on there. From there, I'll usually put one camera right there on the T-pole and plug the adapter from it into the surge protector and then I'll run an extension cord off there to the other one. Then I go with a bunch of black electrical tape and basically seal up any holes or unused electrical sockets on the surge protector so that no water can get in there and then it pretty much just runs itself after that uh, that's pretty much the entire setup uh, one thing i did learn it took me somehow two years to think of this was you know i have five different hotspots out there and they each come with their own network id and password and so i was constantly have to open them up see which one it was and if i moved a camera from one to the other i was you know having to reset it well I finally got the bright idea. I set them all to the same network name and all the same password because they're nowhere near each other and they're never going to interfere with each other. So now we have one. It's just uh, Cardi Custom LAN uh-huh. and one password, and all of our cameras connect to it. If I move a camera from one site to the other, it just reconnects to the other hotspot. The laptops connect automatically. Life's gotten a lot better. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. If you're going to buy one, one reason I like the Vim tags is that you know, you've got to get it set up and and get into it and put you know, your network name and password. Some of them will have you try and connect your computer, either through that Ethernet port or through some weird Wi-Fi connection, and it's a pain. This one allows you to use your smartphone and generates a QR code based on your network name. You stick it in front of the camera, and it sets itself up. It's super easy. We're going to link to all of these products that you're recommending. We'll link to in our okay. show notes so people have that. What's your estimated all-in cost? If I go buy two cameras and get this set up for a project, what do I budget for the whole system start to finish? 
the material costs should be under 200. No, call it like 225 after you buy the SD cards. You know, the cameras are 70 each. SD cards are usually 10 to 15 bucks each. And then whatever you pay up front on the hotspot. Like I said, T-Mobile is always running specials. So I usually grab those for free whenever they come up. And then it's just your monthly service after that at 10 bucks a month per hotspot or whatever your, your service people charge. You're talking a few hundred bucks. And then, of course, a lot of that material is reusable. So you can amortize that over different projects yep. going forward. Yeah, I've only had one camera go out that I couldn't repair in the two and a half years we've been using it. So This is mind-blowing to me. And, and this is why I wanted to have you on the podcast. Because I've talked to two or three guys who are experts in the security or low-voltage arena over the last three or four years. And this whole concept, for whatever reason, just causes their heads to spin thinking about how to pull it off. And it has always resulted in... By the time they explain it all to me, my head's spinning, basically just saying <laughs> F it and convinced that it would be like a several thousand dollar proposition on average for each of these projects, which is why we've never done it. So it's it's pretty cool to see that you've actually <laughs> hacked the system in a, in a place where uh, a lot of guys have, the, the experts in the field have no idea how to do it. So you've described your system and and this is what works for you. Are there any drawbacks or substitutes or anything else that we should be considering before we get started on this because i'm ready to go out and, and do it on my next project well the first thing i'd say is that you, know, you do need to keep in mind that you're dealing with technology here so while you don't need to be moonlighting as a genius bar tech to make this work you do need to have a basic understanding of how like your computer connects to the internet and things like that essentially if you're comfortable setting up you know devices at home on your wi-fi network that comes with your cable you can do this but if you can't do that, this is probably not a project you want to take on. Uh, but you don't need to be like a, a real, real heavy tech person to make it work. The other drawback is, though, if you run into a problem, there's no number to call for tech support. I mean, I've emailed the Vimtag people, and they've actually been real good. I had a couple power adapters go out, and they sent me new ones very quickly. But they're somewhere in Asia. Uh, their English isn't the best, and you know they're, they're not going to be able to to walk you through tech supporting on site a camera that's gone out. The other thing is, depending on your mobile plan, the hotspots might not be cost effective. Like I said, uh, you know, we, we've been fortunate with T-Mobile. They actually switched us to their new T-Mobile One plan in June. The way they treat data is very different on that plan from our current plan. And like nothing was working all of a sudden. And it, it took me a while to figure out. I finally got them to switch it back because it was going to cost me like an extra $10 a month per device to get the same service I had before. So we haven't had issues since I switched back. But you know, if you're on Verizon or AT&T, I don't, I don't know what, how their rates work. If you're talking comparing this to something that costs thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, 25 bucks a month for a high data plan probably isn't a big deal. The other downside is that there's always the possibility that the company behind these cams goes out of business. And that's important because the way it works is you're basically your app or your website connects to their server software and their server software connects to the cam. So you're going through their server software whenever you want to view your cams remotely. If they go out of business, that server is not going to be there. The good news is that there are apps out there that can use any IP cam, but there's just a lot more setup involved to make it work. So you're not going to end up with a brick you can't use, but you might have to put some more effort into it. At 70 bucks a camera, if they go out of business, I'll probably just buy new cameras and stick those ones on eBay for parts. It's a low enough entry cost that I'm not too worried if one of them goes out of business, but you know, 
<laughs> is something to consider. Okay, good points. Well, before we go, if anybody wants to get in touch with you or your company, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, I can be found at Carty, C-A-R-T-Y, custombuilders.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Carty Custom Builders. And I'm happy to answer any questions as long as you're not using me as full IT support. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, you're a wealth of knowledge. I'm, I'm impressed with what you've figured out here on this on this front. So congrats to you and your company on pulling this off. I think that our users are going to get a lot of benefit from it. Our, our users are, I'm thinking in IT, IT terms right now. <laughs> our audience is going to get a lot of benefit from this. So thanks again for coming on today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Jared. I love the podcast. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs>